Uh, welcome to the show, team. The usual show for about 30 minutes. And then on the end of that show, we've got an interview with a young Australian guy that's living in Thailand. He's a, a bit of a runner himself, but he's also an MMA and Thai boxer. So if you're not into the combat chat, uh, don't uh, be too stressed about listening to that one. But it's a really good interview, and Dylan's like a really smart young guy out there chasing his dreams. So if you stick it out and have a listen, I'm sure you, that you'll take a lot out of it. Also, in the description of this podcast, I've put Nathan's Sydney Marathon vlog that he did. Uh, I'll also put in one of my YouTube vlogs, and we never really do this, but if we could just ask everyone listening to jump onto both of our YouTube channels and hit the subscribe button, that'd be really appreciated. It really helps with the algorithm for exposure and stuff like that. We're both regularly pumping out videos on YouTube now, so if you could do that for us, that'd be much appreciated. And on that note, enjoy the show. Cheers, team. Welcome back to Eat, Sleep, Run, Repeat, the running podcast for the average runner. Episode number 84. This week you're with me, Wooly, Mr. Nathan Barden. Hello. And we're blessed to have the presence of the one and only Bradley Wax Cullen in the house. Good afternoon. Is that a haircut? Look at that. <laughs> yeah, I just got to diet now and I'll be sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mate, we might as well start off with a big congratulations for doing your 100th park run on the weekend. Thanks, mate. Thanks for coming down, man. No, nah, that was all good. Pretty, um, they gave you, well, they gave you a pump up after I pointed you out <laughs> in <laughs> yeah. the pre race chat. Yeah, and uh, Robin brought down that hundred singlet for me, which was awesome. Yeah, that was cool, eh? Yeah, you had like a hundred park run singlet on. Oh yeah, yeah. Robin, the running chick, brought it down. She's on Instagram, and um, she um, yeah, they're just good guys, good people down there. I know a few of them now. Good, just good. They got like a little family. It was windy, wasn't oh, yeah. it? Oh, oh yeah. man, I, I I don't know how many Redcliffe park runs I've done, right? But I don't reckon. I've been there and it's not been howling wind. And you still won it. <laughs> yeah, I was lucky, to, lucky yeah, enough to get the win, eh? Yeah, what time did you get? Oh, see, I've done a session beforehand. I've got to tell, I've got to tell you about this too. Um, but I kept my watch running, so I had no idea what time I was doing. But I did 18.04. Yeah. So I was pretty happy with that. Yeah, because there's I, a few away. I did a – I got there early and uh, on my program I had – Warm up, uh, five by one minute, cool down, park run, <clears throat> then a 10 minute warm up, five by one minute, and then a 10 minute cool down. So when I first got there, got out of the car, nearly got blown over by the wind. I was like, oh my God. So I run into the wind for 10 minutes, 
And that got me right to the end of is that Margate Beach. Yeah, but down the end there somewhere. Yeah, so I got to the end of the beach and it was just on 10 minutes. I thought I'll turn and do my um, <laughs> efforts with the wind. And um, me. when I got to the end, I was at like the sort of end of the beach where there's like about five really, really flash houses overlooking the water. Sort of like a bit of a cut. The beach kind of curves. It's like a cove. And there was about eight women knee deep in the water, like doing like all, um, like I can only explain it as like, you know, hippie dancing or something like that. They must have been on magic mushrooms or something. They're like, you know, <laughs> dancing like that, right? And I thought, oh, that's pretty funny. They might have done yoga or something. Anyway, yeah, did yeah. went went did the session, did park run, then did another 10-minute warm-up, and I finished at the same place ready to do the last bit of the session. And they were still in the water dancing. So they must have been there for an hour. Unreal. Dancing, eh? Jeez, you see some sights. But I thought good on them. They're having fun. Meditation. Deep, fully clothed in the water. Far out. But yeah, we met met some of the boys down at Redcliffe. That was pretty cool. Met Nathan. Yeah, um, Nathan was here. Dan. Dan's another Dan, He's cool. Yeah, man. A few, few boys, a few listeners of the show. Thanks for the support. Lads, yeah, they're good lads. Those boys are fast yeah. too. There's a few away there. I mean, I mean, the top guys like even that Nathan. He's um, the other Nathan had the pram that day. He he's like a sixteen minutes something now. He's pretty quick. So he did a pretty good time considering he's pushing the pram into yeah. the wind. Yeah, he's an animal. That guy, he's cool, man. Um, yeah, there's a few away, but you know, we get some visitors down there to run. Yeah, um, sub seventeen. Shit, that's quick. They'd be up there with you, man. You'd get quick down there, man. I had a pretty good week of training, considering I got to kind of like, I think it was probably Wednesday, and I felt like I was getting a bit of like a head cold. So I ended up, um, I did the session I had to do on Tuesday, which was fifteen by thirty seconds. So I was absolutely hammering on the 30 seconds on. And then, um, yeah, it felt like I was getting a bit of a head cold. So I didn't do the session I was supposed to do on, um, Thursday and then, yeah, I come good. So I reckon the rest helped me. Mm. And, uh, yeah, then Saturday park run, big effort. And then Sunday I run with, um, Andrew and Gareth and we, we did 20 K along the, uh, the railway from Petrie mill. Yeah. I saw that one. Pretty solid week, 70K, something like that, 72K. Good to, uh, yeah, keep keep the ball rolling. Spartan had a big week, he 104 or something, didn't he, K? Did he? Shit. Yeah, he, he was up there because he did that, what, 46, 47, his birthday um, run they do. He got that off Taz Savage. Taz is an animal as well. Um, they run the same K as their birthday years. So he, oh, he, that's right. Yeah. He clocked up. Might have got 107, 104K old Spartan for the week. Just going to check now. What did he do? He did 102. 102, oh, yeah. Solid. Yeah, good week. What about you, Nathan? You're, um, you've got a little bit of a cold or something as well. I'll come down with this. Uh, Mattel picked it up, obviously, from Sydney, and I tried my best. I passed it on some kind of luck. I think it's a it's a viral cough kind of throat infection, head cold, 
it's not flu um and it's not like apparently it doesn't seem to be bacterial right? matilda taking antibiotics didn't make any difference so i think it's just a viral but there's a few people with a few coughs around and so whether they were fighting it and passed it on and you know just tired after gold coast so oh, i decided anyway i was going to take two weeks rest and i was hoping i'd go boxing tomorrow but um i'm just gonna rest and let the body just recover and you know just get over this uh whatever this is infecting me and try my best not i just had a bourbon trying to smooth my throat down help me sort of throat so nice. uh, yeah yeah i had a few on saturday I had to work. I worked all week and then worked Saturday, Sunday. So I worked seven days in a row. And uh, it was early starts to get down to where I was working at the weekend. And that, and uh, you know, long drive home. So I've two days in loo. So I've just uh, got a new YouTube video coming out soon. So anyone, uh, I don't know if you posted the link, Steve, to the uh, the Sydney Marathon video. I if I didn't, I'll put it in this week's one. But yeah. I think I did. So flick over to YouTube. It's Nathan. Oh, you hadn't put it up when I actually okay. uploaded this. I'll put we'll it. Put I'll it put it in, it in the description. Yeah. Nathan's Type One Fitness doing well. On what YouTube. are you at the moment? Thirteen hundred views. Mate, it's over thirteen hundred views. I'll that. watch so, it tonight. I'll be honest. Hit a subscribe. Hit a subscribe, and you don't get like it doesn't cost you anything to subscribe. Right? All you do is just like it's there. You'll get a notification on your YouTube that a uh, video um, has dropped. And uh, I'll just tell you how many now videos we've got, um, uh, how many views I've got on that video, your channel videos. We are 1,349 views on that. So it's doing all right, mate. Not bad for a week, another, a week old. Subscriber. I thought I doubled my subscribers in a week. That's well. good, man. We, we brushed on this last week, but just to anyone listening, if you see someone who's made like a running video that's even half decent, just give them a subscribe because it doesn't, it's not like if you hit subscribe, you're going to get bombarded with spams and notifications. You rarely, like I subscribe to I got loads. every running thing that I find and I'd never get any emails or spam or anything. It just, when they you put just, a video up, it comes up in my feed on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. You just go to home. And it'll come up. There's a video there to watch. So that's what's great. You go, oh yeah, they've dropped another video. So yeah, you can actually turn it on to get an email notification. But like, I think you have to actually physically go and do that, that. Yeah, yeah, to activate it. But yeah, just get here, subscribe and a and a thumbs up. It all helps the algorithm. Apparently, whatever's going yeah. on. We've got adverts now on my um, videos, but I'm not getting any money from it. I'm not monetized yet. But what was interesting, I had a diabetes, the Abbott Libre 2, which I use, was an advert when I just flicked over to it to see how many views I'd had. And that advert came up at the start of it, which I thought, oh, how uh, ironic is that? Yeah. yeah. At least it was, um, you know, the sort of thing you're trying to promote. Yeah, and I expect there's probably a link. They probably send, uh, like, people like Abbott, they go, listen, there's, do you want us to include you on videos? Um that include type one diabetes. They must have something the algorithm they put any videos type one diabetes, type two diabetes. You know, to pick up that, to so say it'll, it'll flag it. But um, yeah, I'm just uh, putting together a new video now about about the uh, Sydney Marathon uh, in review. So um, yeah, wait for that one. Wax. Yeah. What do you got coming up, mate? Like, you got any events yet? 
entered in? No, I haven't entered any, man. I just, yeah, I went over to Bali, yeah. So, um, training was all right over there, but it wasn't nothing like I've been doing here, man. So I'm just, uh, yeah, I did have a bit of a hell of a go over there, but uh, I'm just gonna look at because I didn't even put any weight on over there, which is unreal. You did um, do but, some good runs over there, though. I only had two decent runs, but I was swimming as well, and we were at whitewater rafting and. Oh, just walking a lot, man. It's just so hot over there. Um, I think those runs did well. One of the runs I went on, I, I told the boys I was running a run. So I went out to the beach and then I ended up running as far as I could left. And, it, and, it, and I ended up down at Akuta in the Indonesia, Bali, Akuta Airport. I couldn't go any further. So I turned <clears> around <throat> and come back. And I was just looking for this huge statue, man, because that was my go-to point to get back to the villa. <laughs> I thought... I knew if you see those, you know, the statues in the distance, don't let it fool you because it might be further than it is away. So I thought, yeah. man, just, and I was sweating. I, I probably waited too long. It was about 8.30 in the morning. So I was just concentrating on getting back to that statue because I knew if I get to that, I can turn right and just head straight back to the villa. So I'm, I'm nearly to that, what I believe is closer to getting there anyway, just sweating like a pig, man. And, um, and then I seen my mate, but then the other one just jumped out, scared the crap out of me. And um, yeah, no, on the beach drinking. So that was the end of the um, thing. And I just ended up <laughs> straight on the bintangs. Yeah, stretching. And then I was right onto the um, bintangs. <laughs> Did you go with the family or you go with the boys? I went with two mates. Oh, dear. Yeah, no I'm surprised kids, you no. didn't put any weight, mate. I know, on? man. You're kicking off the side of the road. We were eating so well as well. We never ate at the um, villa once. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think just all the walking and just, just chaos, to be honest with you, man. Because, like, they were waiting for me down at the beach. And just as soon as we finished it, I know it's not best for a running podcast, but as soon as we, as soon as I seen them, that was it, was we're straight on it. And it was, well, that's life, isn't it? And we try to go, we go on holiday. No, sometimes you go on holiday and you're, you're just trying to, you're trying to get some runs in to, just to maintain some fitness so you don't yeah, lose man. much over that week. And then uh, trying to fit it all in with just uh, having a good time. It is difficult, you know. It's like, oh, you say to your friends or partner or the family, you go, oh, well, hang on, I've got to go for a run. Um, yeah, keep it Yeah, real. and so, then the other people I saw running were just absolutely just soaked with sweat and I, I mean I would have been one of the fitter ones there you know like and I was thinking man if I'm tired these guys are just slogged and they really were that that run that you're talking <laughs> about man I've done that before and the problem is is you know you said about the big statues mm. like they're kind of randomly scattered along there so you could easily get lost and and you know all the hotels look the same so you could just keep going and going and be like, oh, shit, where am I? You'd have to walk onto the street and ask someone to give you a lift or at least tell you where to go. Yeah, and it just maintained because I was starting to suffer and because um, it was just so humid. And um, I nearly, uh, on the way out, and I was still quite composed, I was running and I didn't realise that it was just a beautiful-looking hotel thing. But the path went, I was running straight but I didn't realize I had to turn to the right and then go around it to the left. And I was just going straight. I was just looking up, going straight tunnel vision. And then the security guard guy goes, he's Xing like that with waving to that me to stop. 
I went, oh, sorry, bro. <laughs> and I, I turned off to the right and went back the other way. I was going to run right through where they've all just swept and, you know, cleaned yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I can love it over there. Yeah, it was awesome. It was a, it's a good place just to... Um, Different scenery, a eh? bit of bit of chaos, but there's a lot of Australians there. It's pretty well yeah. packed, full of Aussies. Yeah. Should um should we talk about Berlin Marathon? Yeah, let's do it. Pretty. Uh, we cancelled doing the podcast so we could all watch it. Ended up I was watching it on Live Run on um, Facebook, and then you end up sending through a really good YouTube link, and I end up watching yeah. it on that YouTube link. That actually was the same one that Fraser was watching on uh like a, a german channel and it was actually with tim hutchins commentating and it it actually stayed the whole time didn't it till uh and then was um i'll tell you what there was a lot of people look really good coming through at uh like 2 two thirty. there was a lot of people at like 230 240 two hours 40 you know i think it's sub three hours there's some, some people that were really suffering but I thought, crikey, they're not like going that fast, but they're going sub three, so maybe they're just blowing up right at the end. But um, I was pretty surprised at actually the, the how many people there were in that like two thirty to three hour mark coming over the line. Good effort. I mean, we were keeping you know everyone updated in the group chat, and uh, we were all kind of um, cheering on Liam Adams. Yep. Uh, Brisbane girl Narissa O'Donnell, she did have a blinder, two forty six, she run, which is incredible. But we, like two guests of the show, Liam Adams and Nick Bester, mm. it was heartbreaking to watch. Hey, like you know, because Liam was going for the the to get a time to go to the Olympics, and yeah. obviously he's running out of time now, isn't he? Um, and Nick Bester wanted to go sub two twenty because last year he did two twenty and nine seconds. Wow. And they were both on for it, weren't they? About yeah. 30K. 35K, both of them fell apart. So it must yeah. have been something because a lot of people did. Matt Reese, who's another guy I follow, uh, the Welsh runner, he's a YouTube yeah, uh, vlogger. He's cool. He he ran 231, wow. which is slower than his um, fastest time, but still a good run. But I was watching him and he, he kind of blew up around <laughs> 35K too and – like the thing That's is 30 k mark isn't it the race begins at 30k oh it's tough man ain't it 30k Gosh. you know like when we've done the podcast with like even just like liam and nick say for example like we're talking to them before we do the show we do the podcast and then we usually stay on and chat to them for a bit and you feel like you create a bit of a connection with them eh? like and uh to see like nick man i was just gutted for him because we knew mm. when, when we did the podcast with him all he was really talking about was just going two nineteen something, wasn't he? And you know, and I've been following his training religiously, and he's on track, doing everything right, did everything right on the day, and then just fell apart. Like, I don't know if I you saw he, his Instagram, but he was—he put up a story, he was crying a bit, and oh man! And then he's—he's he's quite a positive lad, though, and he's come back positive with it. Um, I just think what happened was it was a lot hotter than last year, and. Uh, it it looked like it did heat up, and Elliot as well though didn't he? Elliot at thirty five k. When did he yeah. lose paces? Did a th- couple of three oh threes or something around that time too? Yeah, and then I think it was a fear that the second and third were going to catch him. Um, so I think it was it was a little bit warmer. It well, the start was all right, but then it just the cloud broke. The sun 
burnt off the cloud and um yeah it, it may have slowed but you know who knows so so liam adams finished with a time of two two eleven forty seven, which is not well, it's a lot quicker and um no is near a olympic qualifying time so let's just hope he gets selected off his gold coast time and um should be good enough but as long as there's no Who other take... that knock him off the you know the second yeah. position <laughs> who's first think brett robinson not by much, though, you know. If you, I think maybe he might have just be nice if they took a couple of them. Be nice to have a teammate to to go with, you know. Like, I know he hasn't got the, the official qualifying time, but you know, they may take it take it into account. I mean, you know, like to take him and when you think about all these football teams and the hockey teams and everything else, all the that they take, they get they got like it's not like they take two people, they take a whole team, then they take subs and take the physio. And oh. uh, the manager and everything, and you think that's a, that's not really unfair, you know, like that you got all the they got rugby teams and everything else. It's like yeah, and they all get medals too, all of them. Yeah, and so you think, oh, if we could only take a a couple a couple, couple of runners, along, crazy. Yeah. then uh, would be nice. It's not yeah, take less people in the soccer team. Do you know? So yeah, it's um oh yeah, we've. We've got pretty strong opinions on it. Like I think that Olymp- Olympics was always athletics, wasn't it? And like, what what do we have? Throwing, uh, you know, combat sports, um, all the traditional sports. Like now we've got golf, yeah. skateboarding, I mean, BMX, biking, and all that. Like just yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, surfing. I mean, there'd be like tiddlywinks in it soon, wouldn't there? It probably already is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, it's like you got to draw the line somewhere because you get so these countries can't can't build the facilities and then just can't host everyone. It's too. It's asking too much of countries to host the Olympics. But anyway, we we batted on about this for a long time, so it'll set me off. I'm just um looking up the women's winner. Um, yeah, Asefa. Uh, uh, I have to say, I was watching her, and uh, she set a, a world record, didn't she? Two eleven yeah. fifty-two. There are yeah. two. There are two women's world records, aren't there? There's one for being involved in a men's race, and then there's a separate one. So there's two different ones. But she did. She went sub two twelve, which they never thought would be possible. Two eleven fifty-two. A sefer. and what I really I, I noticed it's only a third marathon, but she grabbed a cup of water and she was drinking, it, and then she passed it to her pacemaker which was guru um and then he passed it to another pacemaker as well so um i thought that was good sportsmanship yeah that was that was good and then um uh, jared ward was there right at the end uh running with her as well wasn't he he did well yeah yeah great great pacemaking job he did yeah we should um mention her shoes though yes talk about that so she I don't know if you've ever heard of these, Brad. This is a new shoe from Adidas. They're apparently $777. Oh, right? And uh, they're called the Adi Zero Adios Pro Evo One, which is Adidas's newest edition in its uh, running shoes. Is... Use once and self-destruct. Yeah, I'm trying to find the weights thing here. Oh, um, it's oh, it. 70 grams lighter than the than the... 138 grams is it yeah so it's super light so 
like well, you wouldn't say that yours are heavier, <laughs> would you? Like you've got the Adios Pro. No, well, the Adios Pro are 218 or something yeah. like that. Yeah, but I'd say they're light. They are light. They're nice. I so like basically, them. so these shoes are $777, but you only get one marathon out of them. And that's I won't it. I be buying them. Then they're, no uh, then they're done. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, you only get one race out of them and then that's it. Chuck them in the bin. So why they fall apart? They're just only designed to, to give you that, um, you know, performance over one marathon. You get, uh, I think maybe a couple of shakeout runs in them to wear them in and then bang, your marathon's done. Chuck them in the bin. Incredible. eh? Yeah. Crazy. Imagine how many people will rush out to buy them though, just for the one event. Because of this. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Wow. They're thinking they last longer. So good. They're going to think they last longer, though. You know, it's funny because the, the men were in the all the top men were, I think, were in Nike, and the women were first and second were in Adidas. That's the way to make the way to get it out there. You have some pros running in them. That's it. That's it wow. Yeah, she held it up at the end. I don't know if you saw that. She took it off and held it right up. And she's strong, good, mate. Strong good promo. Finish. Yeah, strong. But yeah, that's a oh, it's just great, just great to watch the the master in in action. A eh? Kipchoge, just a phenomenal human and runner, just all around, just so inspiring to watch him run. For me, it is. I just yeah, it's just so impressive. Watch his replays all day, like you know, I watch the sub two thing all the time. If I need to pump up, he's just a. It's the legend, eh? Oh, yeah. He just seems to get those. Yeah, I think he's just switches. He's able to switch himself somewhere else, just going to like that race mode. You know, like you see, yeah, it's not running down his nose. He never wiped it. He just was like, he just turned just like a flicker switch in his brain and just keep at that rhythm, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah it's like he just sort of sw- turns off the pain, hey? Mm. And just keeps that tempo, keeps that cadence. Yeah, it's just yeah. That's a skill in itself, isn't it? Yeah, great, great to watch. Yeah, yeah. amazing. <laughs> I had to sort of chuckle to myself because you're sort of thinking every time he races, you're hoping for sub two hours, and it gets to the point where you're like, when I was watching him through halfway, and there were only a few seconds over. Yeah. Thinking, oh, maybe if he negative splits, but uh, there was a remember, post, wasn't there? Remember that he's human. <laughs> There was that post on Insta about uh, pick the time you could win something. I don't know if it was Facebook or Insta. I was, I was at 201.30, and he was actually on for it. About 25K, he was on for like 201.30. I was like, oh, yeah, just keep this going. I get a pair of Asics or something. It was Asics shoes. I don't know what it was, but, uh, yeah. But, um, well, the start. What, what did he run in the end? Oh, I've got it on my phone. 201.49? Uh, 39. 202.42. Yeah, sorry. There's a bit bit off. See, everyone was a little bit slower. Definitely um, there was some, the heat must have got to them. Yeah, yeah it must so. have been hot, right? Eh? must have been going cranking over there. Yeah, but yeah, I man, I just really, after watching that Instagram um, story this morning of uh, Nick Bester, you just, you just can't help but just feel devastated for him because you just know he did everything right. He did all the training. His new, you know, when he spoke to us, Nate, his nutrition is just on point. He doesn't, there's no, there's no guessing involved. He's got everything measured out to the gram. 
And uh, and then when you sort of see that just it just doesn't happen on the day, and and the marathon you just can't back up and do it again three weeks later. And it's so small increments, isn't it? Like you could be like a second off every K, and that's forty two seconds. So it's that. Puts, yeah. You know, he was what he was he two seconds. He was only like two seconds a K slower than he was meant to be, and that put him at the two twenty two. Is that you think two seconds is nothing? But and he was on two nineteen twenty seven pace all the way until thirty five k, and then he just dropped a real slow k, and then it just come undone. Yeah, poor bugger. It's hard. Love to get him back on the podcast to have a chat if he had time. He's such a super busy guy, but yeah, probably likely to. He's <laughs> probably likely yeah. to in the next couple of weeks. He's good friends with Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson got a PB, didn't he? At, uh, at, to yeah, the, he he ran well. So he got he did all right, you know. So and we had some Aussies out there. There's quite a few Aussies went did well. So um, yeah, shout out to everyone who he went over and uh, competed. So, yeah, great stuff. Um, yeah. So what, man? I've got. Uh, I'm doing a fun run on. I think. This Monday, a week today, is uh, King's birthday. And then after that is uh, Bridge to Brisbane, I think. What date's that? I don't know, but I've got my number sent to me in the mail. And I'm like, I've had to hide it because I'm worried I'm going to lose it before the event. Oh, yeah. I didn't even realise I sent it to the boys now. Like, oh, that's an elite start. 15th of October. Not far away. I just let you know that um, Red Remembrance Day Red Run is happening on the Sunday, the sixth of November this year. It's free to enter. Yeah, uh, you just have to raise a minimum of fifty dollars. So you can chuck that in yourself if you want. Uh, and it's not like it's going in, yeah, you know, like an organizer's pockets as profit. It's actually going to help mental health for our frontline workers. Um, and if you raise a hundred dollars, you get a free t-shirt as well on top of your medal and all the other stuff. So eight and a half K round Anogra Dam. We we all get to run around the dam this year, uh, Anogra Reservoir, sorry, uh, because the, the, well, between now and then, I can't see that we're going to get, uh, you know, 200 mil of rain to, to stop it like we had uh, last year. So, um, we should be able to run around the Reservoir, okay. So, yeah, come on down. It'd be good. There's free burgers and coffee and everything as well. Lions Club. So, um, yeah. So, they're predicting it's going to be a drought this summer. Yeah. So, it should be all good for that. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Yeah. Go up. Just look up uh, uh, Trek to Health. Remember, stay red run. I'm actually going to, if I'm well, I'm going to run it myself as well this year. So I've entered. It's free to enter. So yeah, come for a jog around, bring the kids, whatever. Awesome. Oh well. Should we wrap it up? You can go get your dinner. Bit yep. of a short one this week. Stay tuned for the interview with um Dylan Zanetti, which is coming up after this. And we'll uh we'll catch you all next week. And the YouTube, you got that on YouTube, Steve? Did you put that up? I put it on yeah. YouTube, yeah. Um yeah. So you can watch it in, in person and such. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, only a young guy just out there living the dream. 
And you'll put a link to the uh, Sydney Marathon one. Yeah, I'll put your Sydney Marathon video in. Watch yeah, me I'll watch that. I'll be watching that tonight. Watch me suffer. I'll look forward memories. to watching. I'll be on that tonight, man. Man, I'll tell you what. Um, there's another guy that both me and Nathan follow. We're, um, we're quite mm. into all the hybrid uh, runners, hybrid athletes. Um, local guy, well, local from the Gold Coast, that Tommy Newell. You seen his video, Nathan? Shit, man. Yeah, he, he suffered, didn't he? He suffered. He blacked out, woke up in a medic's tent. Um, Throwing yeah, up over himself up. and decided to actually finish. Um, yeah, good on him for getting back yeah, out of the yeah. tent and finishing off, eh? Yeah, yeah. That's it, mate. No DNF. I've, I've messaged him on Insta and Facebook asking him if he would come on the podcast, but he hasn't seen either of them. He's in Bali them. at the moment. Yeah. He's gone to Bali for a week uh, or whatever, so maybe we'll get him back on. He's got like thousands of followers who wouldn't see the message, unfortunately. He trains with uh, Renee, doesn't he? He's on the Gold Coast. She was at Berlin. Um, oh, um, good run. is that Renee Ringy? Yeah. 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 I think he does a bit. They train. He does a bit of training with their group. So, yeah. Yeah, that, um, yeah. Ben Felton would be good to get on, or Ben Parks, you know. Man, I've messaged right. Ben Felton too. I don't think he has seen it either. How about Cole? Need to know people to get to, to hook up with these guys, eh? Yeah, you've got to. I mean, um, because Nick knows them; they're good friends. Yeah, um, yeah. Just to talk about, we talk about shoes. I see that Elliot was in the new Alpha Flight Threes. They look quite slick, didn't they? You see yes, that, please. Oh, yeah. So I wonder when they'd be out in the shops. January they come out over here. Oh, do they? Got to get a pair of them. Yeah, I'll get some yeah. those. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. All right, boys. Cheers, Let's... lads. Good seniors again. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Wax. We'll um. Thanks for having me. Try and get out for another uh, run the end of this week or something. Yeah, man. I'm gonna get up then. Get that time up a bit in that park run. Got to enter some events, mate. Well, uh, now that Nathan mentioned that army thing, uh, when's that again, Nate? That is, uh, it's a trail run. So yeah. get your trail shoes on. It's the 6th of November, Sunday. Oh, yeah, I'll be, I'll come to that, man. Yeah. So. Oh, we should, quit, just a bit of a teaser. We've got the guy from uh, Tarkine running coming on. Yes. Future. We haven't locked in a date, but he's a hell busy man, but we're going to lock something in with him soon. And also, uh, unsure of the date, but the guy that runs House of Supplements is coming on. Yeah, working. Same again. He, they're just, so, you know, they're massive businesses they're running. It's hard to, to nail them down for a time. But, yeah, he's he's apparently the the expert in explaining nutrition, supplements, what they do, how they work. He's really good at explaining them so that just the average person can digest it. So yeah, nice. looking forward to that one as well. So that's coming up as well. Excuse cool. the pun, excuse the pun, digest it. What did I say? You said digest it. To help. <laughs> Have a digest it. I missed it. It's <laughs> my accent too. <laughs> yeah, Ricardo, his name is Ricardo someone, but I spoke to the guy in the shop and he said, oh man, Ricardo loves to talk about this stuff he'd be the guy to, to talk to and yeah, he's just contacted me and said yeah let's um let's lock in a date i'll let you know when i'm available 
Networking. That'll be cool. Working. All good. All right. Awesome, lads. Wicked, boys. Chat to you soon. See you around. Okay. Have a good week. Boyakasha. Welcome to the podcast, Dylan the Machete Zanetti. Thank you for having me, mate. I appreciate it. Coming to you, um, coming to us all live from Thailand. Get right into that. How's it all going in Thailand? Yeah, it's going great. I've been here all together. I've been in Thailand for about eight months. I was in Bangkok for a bit last year, training Isan for a little while. And uh, then May this year, I come to Bangtao and now I'm living out here and trying to do as long as I can out here. So how old are you? Uh, I turned 21 in two months. So yeah, still 20, still young, still super, spring cook. Super young. How's your, how do you feel like you feel your body responds to the training like better over yeah, there because you've got more recovery in that? Yeah, it definitely responds better. And especially with me, like I'm mostly a Muay Thai fighter, um, but I do eventually want to get into MMA, which we can get into a little bit down the line. But um, normally I'll finish a Muay Thai session and then I'll go straight into a Jiu-Jitsu session. Then I've got about four to five hours to um, recover. And then in the afternoon, I'll either do another Muay Thai session or I'll do a wrestling session. So it's the fact that I've got so much more time over here to recover and relax. And like, obviously I'm doing some, some stuff like content, like YouTube stuff. And that's obviously still like stimulating the mind, but I do try to have a few days of the week where it's just training based. And I definitely find a lot of benefit being out here, just training, recovering, training, recovering. You learn so much more, your body gets so much stronger. And it's just, it's just another level out here as well. Just with the amount of people that come through the people that are staying here long-term and just everyone is grinding together and just everyone's leveling up at such a rapid pace. And if you don't level up, then you're just going to get left behind. But with that, that rarely happens. You know, everyone's like, even if you are getting left behind, people will still want to bring you up. So it's a really good environment in that essence as well. Cool. Well, that's how I sort of, I mean, we met each other years ago when you were fighting on one of um, Jeff Bullock's shows at North Lakes. It would have yeah. maybe even been one of your first ever fights, but, I recently, yeah, that was my first um, ever fight. Yeah, recently stumbled across your YouTube vlogs, and I was like, "Man, I'm yeah, I really like all that content creation, especially sports related stuff." And um, mm. I was like, "Man, I got to get you on the podcast. This would be cool chat." So, like tracking back to the start, like, did you start doing um, martial arts, or did you did you go straight into Thai boxing? So I started karate. My mum put me in it when I was really young. I would have been like three or four years old. Um, and I was with Bill Wakefield the whole time. So Bill Wakefield, I still speak to him quite regularly. He's like a second dad to me. And it was his guidance that kind of got me to where I was in the Muay Thai and then eventually handing me over to people like Mark Heath and Mr. C at Strike Force. But yeah, started that at three. Um, and then probably when I was about 12 or 13, I said, okay, I want to I wanna have a fight. And Bill's like, okay, you're not ready. So go do some boxing for a bit and then I'll eventually get you to a chance where you're ready. So I started boxing with a guy named Chubby and I started boxing with him two to three times a week while doing my karate on top of that. And after a while, I kind of said to my parents, like, oh, I don't really want to continue with karate. I just want to like do boxing. And then they said, get your black belt. And then it's, then it's up to you from there. So I got my black belt. I was either 12 or 13, I think. Um, and then after my black belt grading, I think the, the requirements for the black belt grading is like 20 rounds of sparring. Um, which these days it doesn't really seem like much to me because of how much training, but back then I was only like 12, 13. It's obviously a lot. And 
I actually remember in one of my gradings, I broke my, like broke my, like a bone in my foot and I was hobbling for the last like three rounds, but um, I didn't really give much notice to it, but eventually, yeah, I got through that, um, got my black belt. And then I believe I was about 14, 15 and um, Bill ended up taking me up to elite to train a little bit with Jeff Bullock and he kind of got me ready for some Muay Thai. And then I started going to urban fight gym and doing some sparring every Friday night. And after my first fight, then I said to Bill, like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I just want to go full into Muay Thai now. And then he sent me off to Urban. Then about six months later, after a few fights out of Urban, I ended up going to Strike Force. And yeah, PZ and Mr. C especially, they've been really big in my development as a fighter and as a person. I wouldn't be here where I am without all those steps taking place from Bill to the boxing to that first fight in North Lakes where I met you. And yeah, just going up from there. And the uh, the Strike Force boys have been doing it so well for so long. Like I've been a fan of the sport since like probably the mid nineties at least. And I can remember Pixie, um, TS two, uh, Diamond Jim, uh, Triple D. So many awesome old school fighters come out of that gym. It's got such a great mm. history. Yeah, and the great thing is that a lot of those fighters still come into the gym. So I'm pretty sure Danny's at the gym now, Triple D. He's holding pads for the gym. Um, TS2, Aaron Lee, him and his missus go in there quite regularly. Pixie will pop in like once a year, hit the bag, show everyone that he's still got it, and then he'll leave. Um, Dan Mulder's come down a few times. And, um, yeah, there's they're obviously all doing very well for themselves now, whether they're in the sport or not. But... Yeah, if you go back and watch some of those fights, like especially those Pixie versus Soren fights, oh yeah, they were they were insane, and they still hold up to this day. So if you're a Muay Thai fan and you haven't seen those, I highly suggest you go back and rewatch Pixie versus Soren. Are they on YouTube? Yeah, they are. I believe they were on like the first Revolution or War on the Shore or something like that. But yeah, they're on YouTube. I've watched them on YouTube. Yeah, I remember they were. Um, yeah, they they were like major elbow like just cuts and blood everywhere and yeah pretty crazy so man thailand when did you make the move to thailand did you go for a holiday first or did you just commit and go for it so i wanted to move here for about six months last year and i went to bangkok and i was at samart packaroons gym for a bit and then i went to isan for a little bit and I've never really seen Thailand as like a holiday destination. Like some people will come here with two, three weeks and they'll just like have a, have a good time, get some training in. But I, I'm kind of a bit more of like an all or nothing mindset where it's like, if I'm going somewhere to train, I'm going there to train. I'm not going there to fuck around. I'm not going there to party and drink and do all that stuff. Like yeah. I'm here for a purpose. Um, but Thailand's also one of those places where it's very easy to waste money just because of how cheap it is. So just because it's cheaper than Australia, you sometimes end up making a couple of things in your head saying like, oh, it's only, it's only five bucks or it's only 10 bucks. And before you know it, you've gone over your monthly budget. So that's definitely something you've got to take into account. Um, but yeah, I was in the East Sun and Bangkok all together for four months. And then I got a bad leg infection. I um, had to come home, which was kind of sad because I was meant to have a big fight and the gym was going to fly me to Korea to have this big fight and this big promotion. And it didn't end up happening, but, um, I think it might have happened to the better just because I had a mate there and big situation. I won't get into it, but yeah. Anyway, I ended up coming back to Thailand in May. So I was back home in Australia, worked as much as I could for six months, get as much money as I can, 
Um, before I come out here, I had a fight on eruption where I basically, I got hit clean six times in the whole fight and ended up stopping him in the third round. So um, that was definitely a good showcase off from Australia to be like, all right, I've done kind of my thing in Australia. I fought on the big shows. I'm obviously open to coming back to Australia for fighting, um, especially if promoters are willing to fly me over and pay me decent. But for now, I just want to focus on the Thailand scene. Um, whether that, like, Bangkok's the goal. My next fight's in Koh Samui, which we can get into a little bit. Um, but I've had a few fights in Phuket now. And, yeah, I just think the level here is a lot better. And it's just a lot better for training out here, especially if you want to do it as a profession. Yeah, so you're at um, that new, it's like, well, it's like kind of like a new big gym there, Bang Tao yeah. uh, Muay Thai. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, t how did you get hooked up with those guys? So there are a few people from Australia that go to Bangtow, like a lot of MMA fighters mostly, because it is mostly an MMA gym. And my original thought was I'm going to come to Bangtow because I eventually want to get into some MMA. Um, and I was just going to come here for a few months, try the wrestling out. And then I was going to go off to Bangkok and train up there for like the real hard Muay Thai. But then after a little bit of time here, they got, um, they've got very high level guys here. Like Sam A moved here, like, basically same time as me and everyone knows Sam A is one of the greatest Muay Thai fighters of all time. They got Savas Michael who he's awesome to be around. He's like an older brother to me now because he knows I'm staying out here a long time and he's been in the same situation with me. Like he moved to Thailand when he was like 16 years old and he'd been here for seven years now. So once I found out like how good the Muay Thai was here and like they know if I stay for a long time they're going to put a lot more time and attention into me. So I've definitely got a good relationship with all the coaches now, the Thai trainers and the wrestling coaches, George and Frank Hickman. So yeah, it's just a good vibe here. And if they know you're staying a long time and they see that you you want it, you put in the effort, you're not just here to fuck around. Like they'll, they'll drill you hard and they'll, they'll put a lot of time and effort into you. And I'm definitely growing leaps and bounds because of that. Yeah. I mean, I, I was watching the vlogs and um, when I was watching your vlogs, I stumbled across the, uh, the like daily vlogs that those guys were doing or, you know, the people <clears throat> of Bangtow and man, like I'm, I'm way too old to be fighting, but I keep myself really fit. I'm always running. Mm. I do a bit of coaching, Thai boxing coaching. I've got a good little gym at home, but I mm. like, I watch the, you guys training. I'm like, Oh man, I just love to be out there training. It, um, makes me jealous. You got guys like Brad Riddell coaching the kickboxing class. Like, any other UFC guys out there? Most of the UFC guys, they come and go. Like when I was here, Wei Li Zhang, the Chinese girl, she was here for maybe six weeks. Then Yuri Prohoska ended up coming him. He's he's huge. He's a big dude, so I didn't want to get any rounds in with him because he'd probably knock my head in. But yeah, you got Raphael Fazeev come through. Um, Meatball Molly and one of her friends, they just come through. So it's constantly just seeing these people just roll through. Sergio Pettis came through. I got good rounds in with Sergio, kickboxing rounds. Um, so, yeah, it's just a plethora of people. Kelvin Gastelum also, he just came through. So you're always, like, around these guys. and It almost makes it normal that you're around these guys and it yeah. makes it, like, not yeah. such a big deal that, like, oh, this person's in the UFC. And then, like, there's so, like you walk into a room, there's 10 UFC guys, and it's like, oh, this is normal. Like, this is so much. Not that it's easier to attain, but it's more realistic than like back home where there's no UFC fighters or there's one UFC fighter in the gym. You know what I mean? What do you like when you're watching them train? Like what's their work ethic like? 
they train really hard or are they using their brain a bit more and like sort of just thinking about what they're doing? Not bit of both. Like you, like Yuri is probably the most crazy person I've ever seen train. I remember getting to the gym one time at 7.30 a.m. before the kickboxing class. Yuri was training. And then I got done at 11.30 when I finished my jiu-jitsu. Yuri was still training. And then I leave the gym. I have a feed. I have a sleep. I come back at 3.30 to hit the air bike before training. Yuri's doing some weights and he's still training. And then he spars. And then after sparring, he's still doing drills. So he he could have been in the gym all day. Like, I wouldn't be surprised wow. if he didn't eat that day or like, I don't know, but yeah, some of these guys have crazy work ethics and it just shows like that's what it takes to be champion. Yuri's obviously a specimen and he's like a little bit he's a little bit crazy to the work, which you kind of gotta be if yeah. you're if you are a world champion or if you're at that high level. But yeah, there are guys like Yuri that'll just train the house down. There are guys like, you know, Brad, he's just super technical with everything and he'll like he'll coach and I know that he said he's retired, but I've got a strong feeling that he's going to come back and either whether it be Muay Thai or MMA, like he's going to have some more fights. He's just loves it too much. And he's so smart with how he breaks everything down. I actually stayed away from his kickboxing class for a few months just because I wanted to really do the Muay Thai, but that was definitely a mistake. I should have been doing that earlier because now just everything's getting like tightening up. My boxing's getting better. Um, I'm getting better at fighting the Thai style because I'm like not trying to match a Thai style with Thai style. I can switch to a kickboxing style if I need yeah. to, then switch back to a style. You know what I mean? So Rad's a smart dude when it comes to that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a mix of both and it's completely preference, but obviously they all do have strong work ethic. <laughs> Sorry. They all have strong work ethics. They're in here at least twice a day. So yeah, yeah it's it changes just, person to person though. Just what you touched on there, man. Like you, if you're like a Westerner, you're crazy trying to fight a tie like a like a tie. Like you're yeah. gonna get kicked and just bashed up. Mm. Like you've got to get in, get out, cut angles, mm. move around more, and mm. I, I guess you run the risk of losing on points depending on how they're scoring it. But yeah, mm. what do you think about that? You, you think that's a, an approach that you take into a fight if you're fighting a tie? Mm. Well, I guess it depends who you are as well. Like there are some people that can fight a tie like a tie, like. So the last Michael, he can sit there and he can play the tie game. Uh, Chad Collins, he's really good at it. He can sit there, play the tie game. But Chad's obviously got very good boxing and a really good right uppercut. So he can mix his boxing in with the tie style. But I think if you try to match a tie with what they're good at, say like if you try to match them with the clinching, well, they've been doing that since they're three years old. So they're going to ragdoll you and throw you to the ground. But if they got good clinch, but you're better at kicking than them, okay, stay in range and kick them or you know, get in that boxing range and box them and then finish with a kick and move out. You know what I mean? Like, don't sit there and play the ties game because that's where they're going to beat you. Yeah, yeah. So how many fights and, um, have you had over there? Uh, all together in Thailand, I have had five fights. So that's actually, I haven't touched on this really on Instagram either. I've had four Muay Thai fights and an MMA fight, which I had last week, uh, last month or the month before. Um, so that MMA fight was just a little amateur one. And um, I just trained. I, so six weeks out, I was told, okay, you're fighting a wrestler. Yeah, sweet. And I spent just like three to five hours a day nonstop, just like practicing that takedown defense, getting up from the bottom, just like nonstop, nonstop. And then a week before the fight, they're just like, oh, by the way, that opponent pulled out, you're fighting a kickboxer. And I'm like, all right, sweet. And then I just reverted yeah. back to what I was doing before. And it was it was a good fight. And it was definitely, it was, it was sick fighting in those little gloves. And it had shin pads on and all that, which we tried to get them off, but they're just like, eh, nah, because if you do it, everyone's going to want to do it, which 
it is what it is, but it was, it was just a good time to get in there and just punch yeah. on with some little gloves in a cage. Cool. So, I mean, I've been to Thailand a couple of times for training, but it's only been for a couple of weeks at the time. Like you're staying long-term. What's yeah. it like when you, you know, you get past that first couple of weeks and you've got to find somewhere to live? Like yeah. is it expensive or can you do it in a cheap way? Or? You can do it cheap, but you've got to really watch your spending. Like, for example, the first month I got here, I was paying 13,000 baht per month for a room. And I knew like, I did not want to stay there for that. Cause that's like six, 700 Australian, roughly around that range. I was like, I don't want to stay here. I'm just here for a month looking around. And then um, I met a, I met someone at the gym and he told me that he was staying in a place for about 6,000, 7,000 baht. And I was like, fuck, I gotta get on that deal. So I'm paying less than a hundred dollars a week for rent out here. Um, got to be mindful of how much you use the aircon because that'll chew up electricity, chew up your costs. Cooking at home, which I'm doing a lot of, that's saving me a lot of money. Um, and it's, I just feel better when I cook at home because I'm able to eat more meat rather than just getting massive plates of rice and barely any meat. Um, but yeah, you've, it's very easy to waste money in Thailand, but you just got to find out, okay, this is what I can, like, this is what I can waste money on. This is what, like, no, this is what I can spend money on. And this is more like a want. And I can, maybe I can push that back a little bit longer, whether it be till my next fight when I get a bit of money coming in. Um, so yeah, you definitely got to be living a little bit more of a downgraded lifestyle. Like if I'm here for four weeks, like money's going everywhere. But if I'm trying to be here for a year or longer, you definitely got to watch out expenses a lot more. So you've really got to like, you've got to manage your health probably better as well. If you're going to be competing yeah. regularly, you want to be able to get in yeah. there, get paid, get out and do it all over again. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, cool. So I saw one of your um, vlogs, you were, you went to decathlon, was it decathlon sports? Yeah, decathlon. That was a um, cheap place to get some good sports gear. So um, you guys can obviously go see that on my YouTube channel, but it's just like, you just got to find little shops like that. Like you can either go to the gym and buy a rash guard for 2000 baht, or you can go to decathlon and find one for two, 250 baht, like, you know, 10 times the price you get it at the gym. You know, you might as well go to this little store. Um, there's obviously a lot of markets as well. Like you can buy pretty cheap stuff at the markets. I end up spending a couple hundred baht, which is like less than $10 a week on vegetables for the week just because I buy at the market. Whereas if I went to the shop, it'd probably cost me $20, $30. So yeah. just finding out little places like that, that'll keep the expenses lower and you get the same thing. And chances are the market's better quality than the stores anyway. Yeah. Do you have to um, like barter for that or is it just a fixed price for the food? Most, most of the time it's a fixed price. <clears throat> like you can barter with certain things. Like um, I just bought a motorbike recently uh yesterday actually i put the deposit down for the motorbike and i was able to get that down a little bit um a couple thousand baht so yeah there are times where you can barter but there are times where they're just like not this is the set price yeah yeah so that my where i was going with that first question was like you're training twice a day every day you must be going through mm -hmm. heaps of pairs of gloves and like just yeah. the sweat would be wrecking them hey yeah yeah you got to be like infections are obviously very prominent in thailand because of just how hot and humid it is and people, they get infections and then they trade and then it's on the mats and then you roll on those mats. And then oh, yeah. you gotta be, you gotta be showering yourself constantly. You gotta be constantly cleaning your clothes. Like I do two big washes a week, but I'm constantly spraying my clothes with 
antiseptic. I'm washing all my stuff in vinegar and like just making sure the infections are staying dead, especially there have been a couple of times where infections or whatever have cost me like fights that I was going to get paid for. And that's frustrating, but yeah, it's just uh, lessons that you got to learn. And it, it just forces you to keep on top of your cleanliness while you're out here, especially. Is that the, um, the knee thing that you had? Yeah. So I, um, I was meant to be fighting in Koh Samui last week on Wednesday and um, I was meant to fight a decent tie and about 14 days out, I ended up getting an infection in my knee. It was, it was tiny. And one of the girls at the gym, she's been here for about three years, Jada. Um, she said to me, if I were you, I'd just take antibiotics now, kill it. And it sh- you like, give yourself a week and a bit to recover. And then you should be fine. And I'm just like, well, fuck that. I don't want to be taking antibiotics this close to a fight because I've done that before and they just wreck you. Like, if you don't know what being on antibiotics right before a fight is like, like it feels like your cardio is down. You take a body shot, you're going down. Like, I, I just didn't want to deal with that. So I just tried to do so many natural methods, um, eating raw garlic, tea tree oil, betadine, um, just keeping the diet clean. There were so many things that I tried to do. And then eventually on a Saturday night, it popped by itself. I was like, all right, cool. That's a good thing. So, um, put tea tree oil on it, covered it, made sure that there was nothing getting in it. And then I went to the doctor's the next morning and he's just like, oh, 1,000 baht. And then I paid the 1,000 baht and I was like, what did I just pay for? And they're just like surgery. And I was like, oh, okay then. So they ended up taking me in the, in the room and they ended up cutting out the staff. And it didn't really look like there was much there. Like I couldn't really feel it. I was like, okay, well, whatever. And then they ended up stuffing it with some cotton. And um, they're just like, okay, come back tomorrow. We'll clean it. And I was like, okay. And then... The next morning, I, I'm at the hospital and my coach called me like, where are you? And I was just like, oh, I'm at the hospital. They they cut out staff yesterday and they're just cleaning it. And he was like, okay. So then I went to the gym that night just to watch. And he was and he looked at it and he's like, they shouldn't be putting that cotton in there. And I was like, why is that? And he said, because it's going to stop it from closing. And I was like, okay, I'll talk to the doctor tomorrow. Speak to the doctor. And he's like, no, no, no. It's it's um You need to have the cotton in there. It's going to help it heal. And then anyway... Two days later, I went back to the clinic and she said, okay, tomorrow we're closed. You need to go to a different hospital. So I said, okay. Went to the other clinic and she's just like, why do you have this cotton in here? And I was just like, what do you mean? That's just what they've been doing. And they, and she said, no, just put this antibacterial cream in it and then it'll, it'll cover itself. And I was like, okay, yeah. So I, I started putting the cream in it and it closed within three days. So then my coach, like my coach mentioned this to me the other day, but he said to me like, Doctors in Thailand, they'll do that. They'll they'll keep stuffing your leg, like your infection full of cotton. So you keep going back there, you keep paying the money. And um, then I got to six days out from the fight. I said to my coach, like, give me one more day. My leg will be closed and I can train hard for three, four days. My body's already strong and then I'll be good to fight. And he's just like, mate, I'm pushing this fight back to next month because I don't want you to go into a fight without being fully prepared, especially of this magnitude. So that Kosamoy fight has now been pushed back to October 4th. And um, they're drilling me hard because they said if I win this one and and possibly one more, then I'll be fighting in Bangkok on like in Lumpini and the bigger shows like that. So, oh wow, yeah, yeah. just want to make sure I don't I don't have any more bullshit. I don't have any more infections going on. I don't have any of that stuff. I just want to just push hard, just train hard, and fight on those big shows. Get get paid some decent money and get my name out there some more. So yeah, that's that's one of the things that happens in Thailand with the scans and all that and the infections. So. Just you've got to be, be aware of when you you've just got to be so careful, eh? Like the, everyone's trying to like scam everyone, and yeah, man, they they see that you're white and they're just like, oh shit, he's got money. Let's see what yeah. we can get out of him. So 
Um, yeah, especially nice. like when you're just walking around, everyone's trying to sell you something. You're sitting on the beach, someone comes up to you, they're trying to sell you ice cream or a flute or whatever. It's just like, can't just fuck off. I'm just trying to enjoy <laughs> myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's like in Bali, they come up to you trying to sell you like a bow and arrow. You're like, man, yeah. how am I going to take that home? <laughs> like made of wood and I'm not into bow and arrows, mate. Yeah. Man, so like you obviously do a lot of running because that's real a real mm. big thing in Thailand. And I noticed yep. that you, you've, you run at a fair old pace, like you're not hanging around. But talk us through like say just an average week of training that you would do over there like your mid fight camp, what's an average week look mm. like? So I normally do about two to three, 10 kilometer runs, like eight to 10 kilometer runs a week. Um, when you're in Bangkok or in Isan, there's no question you're running 10 Ks every morning. Um, I like Phuket better because you don't have to do those 10 Ks. And I think the 10 Ks are really good for your mind, but for the sports specificity, you need to change it up a bit. So I do those runs two to three times a week. I do sprints and hill sprints on top of that um air bike sprints and then when i was leading up to that mma fight they don't really do this for the muay thai fighters because muay thai is already hard enough whereas mma is a bit more like drilling and stuff with that mma fight they made you go through a circuit and um because i was doing the circuit with one of the other boys peter dunnesay he fought in the um road to ufc we were doing three five minute rounds where my fight was only three minute rounds so um normally i'd be doing three threes this time i was doing three fives and yeah. the goal of that session is very similar to Adesanya's spider session where it's just like the goal is to break you like they'll put you on the air bike for 30 seconds and then you'll be on the wall doing press-ups for a, like x amount of time then you've got to drag someone to the wall and then they're wrestling you and then they've got you down and you've got to get up and then you're hitting the pads like it's just non-stop and the goal is just to try to break you and everyone's screaming at you like you're slowing down it's like no don't fucking slow down put the pressure on like and that's that's very similar to what a fight is like. So they'll put you through those hard sessions as well if you've got an MMA fight coming up. But for the Muay Thai man, it's mostly just run, skip, shadow box, pad work, sparring, clinch work, all the classic Thai style stuff. Um, the wrestling classes is mostly just technique. Um, so you do your technique and then you'll go into live roles and wrestling's exhausting, man. I, I still I still keep it up at least once a week leading up to Muay Thai fights just because it is so taxing on the body. I think it definitely pushes my fitness to another level because I could be doing, I could be fine doing Muay Thai nonstop. Like I could be, you know, my peak fitness for Muay Thai and then I get in one wrestling scramble and I'm gassed. So I try to keep that wrestling session, at least one wrestling session up and jiu-jitsu two to three times a week while I'm still in Muay Thai camp. So I'm obviously thinking a bit longer term when it comes to jiu-jitsu, like there'll be times where I'll just drill and then I'll maybe have one roll and I'll be like, okay, I'm done. I'll go shower and eat and go to bed before my afternoon session and then there'll be other times where it's like no i'm feeling good i'll do all five rounds of rolling you, you, i'd assume that the wrestling would make you way stronger in the clinch in the tie boxing mm. fights anyway mm. yeah there um it's definitely a different type of grappling like clinching is very uptight like you got to get there in the head you got to worry about elbows and stuff like that coming at you um clinching you've got your hips in a lot more whereas wrestling you've got your hips out because if your hips are in you're just going to get body locked and taken down yeah it's definitely a different type of thing but i definitely did notice my actual strength went up when i started wrestling but you just got to be able to separate the two so it's like okay when i'm in muay thai class i'm doing muay thai when i'm in wrestling class okay now i'm able to do the wrestling so man it sounds like you're you're living the dream and it's um you know it's the dream of all young fighters 
Mm. But is it the is it the dream you sort of imagined? Like, what's it like in reality once you're sort of there full time? Man, sometimes it doesn't feel real. Eh? Like you just you just go into the gym and you just like see all these. Like I remember the first day I got here, the first day I started training, I look in the cafe, Bangtow Cafe, I was like, shit, that's Brad Riddell in there. And then I saw George and Frank Kickman sitting down. I was like, shit, that's them. And now four months later, it just feels like they're normal people. Like I'm chatting with them every day, just like they're, they're mates. Me and George have a good relationship. We we talk shit every day. Um, so yeah, it's definitely, sometimes it doesn't feel real, but at the same time, it just, it just feels like it's meant to be and that it's, I'm creating my own history here, if that makes sense. Good on you. And all you got to do is just be smart, make, make good decisions and train hard. And you're obviously talented, so you'll be able to do it. Man, I would love to train with Brad Riddell. I just reckon that would be mm-hmm. so cool. And you get to do it all the time. Must be yeah, bizarre. It's, yeah, it's awesome to have him around, man. Seeing him on TV and then you just stood there across from him. Must be wild. Yeah, especially like you see some of the people that he's beat. Like he fought him, uh, he did have one fight and one championship. Um, I don't think he won it, but he fought someone that was fucking good. I can't, I can't remember the name off my top of my head, but he's like one of the best kickboxers that's ever been around. And yeah, he's he's beaten John Wayne Parr, fought him on like three days' notice, and then he when he rematched him, fought him in cage Muay Thai, just battered him. And if you haven't seen that fight, I highly suggest you go watch Brad's breakdown of it on his YouTube because he breaks down everything that he was doing while he was fighting John Wayne Parr. And that's that's actually a perfect example when we go back to it about not fighting a Thai stylist like a Thai because Brad used a bunch of kickboxing techniques to negate Wayne's Thai style because Wayne was in Thailand for like four or five years training with just Thais and Brad did exactly what he needed to do to break Wayne down. Yeah, yeah I remember that fight because I remember watching the first fight think it was in melbourne and um i knew he'd only taken it on a couple of days notice and i remember thinking better watch out wayne parr you're gonna get knocked out in a minute because he caught him with i think he might have hit him with a couple of really big left hooks and uh but wayne just he's a clever old bugger (laughs) you just figure out a way to win and that's kind of what he does but Mm. you got him in the uh in the rematch it's um yeah, it's pretty wild. That cage Muay Thai was fairly crazy. Like they do it in one FC. I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of the little gloves in Thai boxing. Mm. I think it's dangerous enough. <laughs> like why make it even more dangerous? What's your thoughts on that? I, I think that the little gloves definitely make it more of like a different sport, but I think they should have a separate event. So they should have Muay Thai one championship and that should be with the big gloves and they should have Muay Thai one extreme and then that should be the yeah. little gloves. I think that's the best way to do it. The closest thing they've got to it now is having the Muay Thai and the little gloves and the, the kickboxing and the bigger gloves. But kickboxing, there's no elbows, there's no knees. So it's once again, it's a different sport. But man, I want to fight those little gloves. Like I've, I had a little bit of a taste of them in the MMA fight and I want to just fight them in the, in the Muay Thai fight. I want to be able to have those little gloves on and zero pads, throwing full elbows. Like it sounds like fun to be honest to me, but some right, people that it's like... I've, I've I've definitely I've definitely heard people say they wouldn't do it. Like people like Max Vicker, they've said they wouldn't do it just because one championship doesn't pay a lot. And um I've heard certain stories from certain people where one championship won't cover certain medical bills. So if you smash your hand on someone's forehead and then you've got a broken hand, well that's something yeah. you've got to pay for. So that's definitely something to keep in mind. So you definitely gotta fight smarter 
Um, but yeah, some people's styles, man, they just suit it perfectly. Like Tyson Harrison, he's, he's uh, probably one of the best Aussies to look out for at the moment. He's only like 22, 23, but training out of St. Tenoy's gym, which is where I was going to go in Bangkok before I decided to stay in uh, Bangtow. But yeah, he's got a good style for it because he's got real nice punches and he just finds those little holes and those little gloves. So some people's style it works, but a lot of ties you'll notice are getting knocked out now because they try to just have their hands up and then there are just too many holes or they try to fight it like a stadium fight when it's not, like it's three rounds. You've got to go from the, the, like yeah. from the first second, you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess, yeah, that really changes it, hey, because they usually slowly work their way into the fight and now they've just got to go for it. Yeah, like I remember my first fight in Bangkok, um, the tie I was fighting, he was starting off really slow and I would just hit him with one hard shot, two hard shots, but I wasn't like putting a lot of emphasis behind it. Like I was not, there was no means I was going like crazy, but cause I knew they weren't scoring the first round. I knew the tie wasn't going to start off, but I just put the pressure on him. Like, so I would do dimension and that would help me out later in the fight when they were scoring it. And I come back to the corner and um, my mate Jagger's like to me, he's like, Dill, just relax a little bit. I'm just like, I am relaxed. What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> This is me relaxed. How do you deal with that? So, like yeah, with it, with Thai coaches, like speaking to you in broken English, like they just oh, really, they, they, do, do they just simplify the instructions? Like, so you can understand. Well, when I was in, um, when I had my fight in Bangkok, uh, it was funny because at the end of the, at the end of the first round, one of my coaches comes up to Jagger and pushes him in the corner. He's like, you trainer, <laughs> pushes him in the corner. So then, Jagger ended up giving me the advice, and luckily enough, Jagger's got a good fight IQ. He just won the uh, Lumpini oh, Super Sam um, belt, so he's Jagger the, Chan, yeah. He's a strike force guy, isn't he? Yeah, strike force boy. Yeah, he yeah. was at um, yeah. yeah. So he's obviously smart, and he's he's grown leaps and bounds, and um, yeah, I think he's going to do some amazing things in the sport. But yeah, so Jagger, um, shit, I got off on a bit of a tangent. What were we talking about before we went on about that? Oh yeah, Thai coaches, right? So. Um, when I was in Isan, they'd pretty much just like point to you. So like, they'd say like, point to your leg and be like, check, no catch, like little things like that. Um, but in Phuket, they all speak good English. But my last fight at Bangla, it was funny. Um, I had my main coach saying, so he was in the corner with me and he would say like, um, he, he would be like, clinch, you, you don't knee, you elbow. And then I had another coach say like, Dylan, when you're in a clinch, no elbow, only knee. <laughs> and then <laughs> I had like three coaches telling me different things. I was like, just tune them out, just listen to saying because... And then I ended up stopping the dude with elbows the next round. So you just, you know, if, if you've got so many voices coming at you, just tune, tune some of them out, listen to one. And that way you won't confuse yourself. Yeah, man. That's, um, that's like, I mean, fighting so hard with having all heaps of people yelling at you and you can barely understand them. I could imagine that would be, um, make it even harder, mm. but yeah, man. So you're, you're just killing it. What's, like, is there anything you can tell us about what's coming up in the future or is it a bit secret or? Well, at the moment, I got my next fight in Koh Samui, October 4th. Um, if you asked me before I came to Thailand, what would I want to accomplish while I was here? Um, I'd say have an MMA fight, which I've ticked off. Now I'm just focusing on the Muay Thai while still learning a bit of MMA, but Muay Thai is where my focus is going in for at least the next year, I reckon. Um, I also would have told you that I would want to fight in one championship, which obviously that'd be amazing, but... There are some fight shows out here and in other countries that are paying bigger than one championship. Like my mate um, from the gym, there's two people at the gym actually banged out Musa and 
Simpson, they're fighting tonight in a four-man tournament. And if they win that four-man tournament, they get five grand US. So that's like that's like six months of Thailand paid for right there. Whereas if you're fighting at like one, like if you're fighting in Lumpini or like you might get like a month or a month and a half worth, but six months paid for for winning a four-man. And I think they're getting the WBC belt on top of that. I'm not I'm not too sure. I, I think that got mentioned, but I could be talking shit when it comes to that. But yeah, I'd say just go where the money is. And I just want to be as active as possible. Um, definitely want to fight at Lumpini. Definitely want to fight in those little gloves. But if there are other opportunities that come up that pay more, then chances are I'll be going to that. How does it work? Do you have to give the the gym a cut of your winnings or you just pay the train and they just let you keep all your money? Yeah, so it's better to pay the trainers a little bit. Like in Thailand, it's kind of normalized where you do give the trainers a little bit, but I think it's more of an asset. Like some people, they'll just straight up refuse to pay the trainers and then those people, they might not get looked after as well. You know what I mean? So it's just better to give them money, keep them happy. Um, and if you're coming over here with a lot of savings, like you've got a bit of money to fall back on and you can kind of just see, okay, I'm giving this trainer a thousand or 2000 baht for being in my corner, but down the line, this is going to pay out for me so much more because I'm going to be getting on those bigger shows. I'm going to be making more money. Um, so you just got to kind of look at it as a bit more of an investment rather than, okay, I'm just giving this trainer money for like, you know what I mean? You've got to try to put it in a bit, bit different of a different of a perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess if you, if you, if they're looking after you and they're really, mm. they're a really good trainer, they'll be, you know, teaching mm. you all the little tricks that they don't really want to teach the, the Westerners, you know, they show yeah. you the tricks and. I guess you're just learning, constantly learning all the time. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Oh man, I, I I definitely will try and get out to Thailand next year. I'm gonna uh, yeah. come out and do some training. Is it? T- it's not too far from the beach. That area is it? No, nah, Bangtao. Like my place, I'm two three minutes from the gym on a motorbike, and I'm five minutes down the road from Serene Beach. And there's so many beaches around Bangtao, and there's so many beaches down south like in high season i think it's going to be a little bit crazy but right now like it's a good place to be and there's not too many people around you can go sit on the beach for a while and relax and just clear your head a bit um because obviously all that training and then on top of that doing content creation it can get a little bit mentally straining so you've got to have that time out to just kind of chill chill your mind out so having the beach close by is pretty good yeah let's talk about that quickly um your YouTube channel is going really good. I'll link to all that in the uh, description of this, but how you, how do you do that with, um, cause the Wi-Fi is not the greatest over there. Like, do you have any dramas uploading stuff? Not really. It's just, um, it's just sometimes the 5g cuts out, like, cause there are like a lot of 5g towers around here, but there's so many people around the area. It just sucks it all up. So sometimes the Wi-Fi would just stop working, but most of the time it's pretty fine. It's not, the worst thing in the world. Sometimes I think the Wi-Fi back home is worse, but can you go yeah, to it's like not, it's a, not too bad? Can you go to like a Starbucks or something and use their Wi-Fi, or is that even worse? I'm not sure. I haven't really done that, but my home Wi-Fi is definitely worse than my mobile data Wi-Fi. So where do you reckon you'll go with the uh, the content creation? You just keep doing what you're doing, or do you reckon you'll like? I really enjoy them the vlogs where they just walk around and show you the, you know, um, mm. like I was walking, watching one the other day where a guy was walking through like fitness street in uh, you know, where tiger mm. is like, yeah. you, you, I mean, there's so many things you could do. Cause you, 
I guess you've got that sort of time in the middle of part of the day when you're not training that you mm. could actually just go out and you could chat to other fighters and mm. I guess it's just how much time you want to put into it, but that you could actually make a living from doing that. If you get it big enough. Yeah. And that's definitely what I'm trying to do. Like I'm already one third of the way of getting monetized and that's like, I wouldn't say not trying, but it's like not uploading consistently. And now the goal is to just keep uploading consistently and, I've definitely got like every time I come up with an idea, I write it down. Like I've got like five ideas written down in my notes. I'm trying to do a minimum of two videos a week. I've done three this week and I've got another one coming tomorrow. Um, I will be doing a vlog on Koh Samui when I go out there to fight. Um, I'm doing a video of the process of buying a motorbike as a foreigner. Um, so just general Thailand information. If people want to see more stuff like the tutorials, like I recently did two videos, one about Southpaw versus Orthodox counters. And then I also showed fight footage of whether it be me or someone else landing those counters in a fight. Um, and I did some boxing for Muay Thai videos. So you'll notice a lot of ties that don't have the greatest boxing, but just little things that you can do to improve your boxing. So just whatever people like, if I come up with an idea, I'll do it. But I just want to keep it in the realm that I enjoy, like keep it Thailand and fighting related. Because if I start to go on multiple tangents, then it's not really what I'm good at. Like just keeping it in that kind of niche market and, I've actually had a fair few people come up to me at Bangtow saying they've seen my videos. So that's always encouraging to have that around as well. Yeah, cool. Well, have you just got like a GoPro and a phone and just a phone? Um, I'm getting a mo I'm getting a microphone pretty soon because the last couple of videos I've did the audio's been kind of shit. So I definitely am getting a microphone soon. Um, but the iPhone's good enough quality to where you can make yeah. decent videos on an iPhone and I've watched so many like YouTube videos about how to make YouTube content just in my spare time. Like, and most of them just say like, you don't need these fancy cameras. Like if you can afford it, do it. But if you're to start now, there's no need to go spend a thousand dollars on a new camera. Like just do it all from your phone. It's easy. I prefer to edit on my phone rather than my laptop. Cause it's just easy. on quicker. Yeah. You know, it's just quicker. And yeah, it's yeah. Just any content that anyone wants to see, I'll, I'll be open to doing it as long as it's fight related or Thailand related. Yeah, man. Awesome. We'll keep it up. I've been enjoying it. Yeah. Love seeing you. People, appreciate it. Love seeing people have a crack and um, you're doing it successfully and um, all the best with your future fights and hope your training and all that's going, going smoothly. No staff infections. <laughs> yeah. More they're all gone now. Hopefully they're all gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome, man. Thanks for um, sitting down and having a chat with me. It was really, really interesting. And Yeah, um, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. So I'll, put, I'll whack this on um, my podcast as a, bo a bonus show. But um, if you're watching this on Dylan's channel, make sure you subscribe. And um, we'll catch up with you all soon.
But sometimes my mind plays these tricks on me sometimes And I'll find that my mind climbs higher than it should climb up by imagination I'm contemplating, hesitating on exploitation My mind wish you find in time I will find that we shine when they won't shine you A twisted intelligence, extension of tolerance, dimension of flowers in my mind. Stop rewind. Now what the fuck did you find? And nothing in here but why? Subliminal messages can't breathe. Close your eyes. Leave all your troubles behind. Yes, it's fine Come kick it with me In my imagination In my imagination Oh, sometimes Our minds play these tricks on us Sometimes we find That our minds, they climb higher Than they should climb up Our imagination Contemplation My mind, which you find in time, our minds they will shine with the longest shine you can. Put the time on minds, show me these purple elephants, a twisted intelligence, extension of tolerance, dimension of flowers in my mind. Stop rewind. Now what the fuck did you find? Ain't nothing in here but why? Subliminal, I can't breathe. Close your eyes, leave all your troubles behind. Yes, it's fine. Come kick it with me in my imagination. In my imagination. Close your eyes, leave all your troubles behind. Yes, it's fine. I'm contemplating, hesitating on exploitation. My mind, 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 mind.